Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Laura June, who's a co-founder of Moonai, a digital therapeutic app using science-based soundscapes, resources and data insights to alleviate menstrual pain. MSc degree in business engineering and innovation management, business developer and entrepreneur for several years, she dedicates her work and research on the synergies between music, science and technology with a focus on sonic brainwave entertainment and spatial audio. Owner of an electronic music collective in Paris, a creative agency in Barcelona, and founder of music tech business consultancy, she's member of several network around women, music, and sustainability, such as She Said So, Female Pressure, Music Declares Emergency. Hi, Laura. Welcome to our show. Hi. Thank you, and I'm I'm really happy to to be talking with you and and continue our lovely chat that we already had. So let's start from your childhood. You grew up with two mm-hmm. brothers, right? So yeah. how was that growing up um, with two siblings? And um, how was your childhood like? Um, my childhood was overall very fun, and growing up with two brothers was uh, actually uh, interesting and just um, challenges you. You you start to be a bit more. Um, I would say you, you think more of tricks and how you're obviously not as strong as they are and you need to think of twists and so on. So it's quite interesting. You start making your own collaboration partnership with one or the other when you need some help. So I think overall it was quite fun about that. And uh, other than that, pretty normal childhood, I would say maybe a big obsession with, with music way, way, way uh, young and just going through my parents' vinyl um, they would say that I was stealing them. I would say that I would borrow them for a long term. Um, but yeah, this kind of uh, just immersion in the in the music world in the 80s for my mom and more uh, 70s uh, pop classic rock from my father's. Nothing more than that. I, I just think that we were a bit entrepreneurial environment, uh, more in the growing up through the teenage years and always supported or, or pushed to be a bit um, entrepreneurial in certain ways like obviously like everybody you want to make your own money well think how you're going to do it just go I was going in and learning the gardens of all my neighbors I was washing cars I did some lemon juice stands I was doing some performance I, everything I could do I was always making so yeah that was a bit it. So what was your first fun job then? Official first job? I think my first first job, if I'm not mistaken, was might be at the movies. I think I was working in a in theater as uh, a stewardess for the 3D glasses. Uh, that was quite interesting. Like three times a week, all my Wednesday, Friday, Saturday for a year doing that. That was <laughs> quite interesting. Growing up with two other siblings, are you the only entrepreneur in your house? No, everybody- no, no, no. Yeah, I think everybody has their own entrepreneurial world uh, or path. Uh, my older brother is a, an entrepreneur since probably day one. Uh, founded several um, and currently is... Uh, working on one uh, which is in sustainable incentive for corporations, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's quite interesting and it's a very innovative project. It's going very well and sort of a not social impact, but more green impact, I would say, kind of a perspective. Uh, my younger brother, although he is working in one of these big banking companies and in the real estate. He, however, found a time to make his own entrepreneurial project, which he was super quiet about. And then suddenly just mentioned, oh, yes, I'm 
selling these socks made of uh, recycled plastic, which was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Where, when did you start working on that? What's the project? Oh yeah, we're three people working on this. We've been selling it, no biggie. Um, so that was a quite big surprise for us, but kind of expecting him to have this uh, approach as well. Our father is always, um, as I said, always pushing us to always think a bit outside the box and thinking outside of the traditional concept. Like if you if you want something, just make it happen. Just think through it, be creative. Um, and my mom is entrepreneur in, in her own way. She has with more, I would say, outside of the professional world. She's entrepreneur in, in different aspects of life. So, yeah, I think we're we're all kind of very enthusiastic about it and and just like cherishing this perspective on life i suppose that's so wonderful to see everybody doing something unique in the house that's not common but it's so wonderful yeah it's very loud as well when there's too many ideas in one household and everybody's right and everybody has idea and some would say i'm the, the loudest one which i always disagree but yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It's quite a, a nice brainstorming session going on. Absolutely. So growing up, what did you want to be? You know, everyone has some idea of where they want to go. So what oh, was yeah, that yeah. for you? I, I know, I know, I know exactly what I wanted to be. I was obsessed of uh, being Lara Croft. I wanted to be uh, the superhero archaeologist going for adventure, going to dig uh, some mummies in Egypt, like this kind of, I was uh, having this obsession about it. And at the same time, I wanted to be a music manager. So not really related stuff, uh, but it was just the two only things I was interested in. And and so obviously growing up and starting to hit uh, 14, 15, a bit earlier, I reckon. But you start realizing that that's not going to be an option. With the music industry, although um, both of my parents are deeply deeply fond of i grew up with the the same sentence growing up uh hearing which was um the music industry is a mickey mouse job meaning it's nice it's entertaining but like you're not going to make a stable income stable life with it and uh there's no nothing behind it there's like no technology no science which always really really frustrated me because i feel very sensitive to music in different ways like to focus it's helped me to for a lot of different reasons. So I was very uh, eager to prove that wrong, that there is business behind it, there is science, there is technology, there's so much hardworking people behind it. Obviously for the Lara Croft part, I kind of forgot that. Still, sometimes I'm always thinking when I'm going on trips, I go through the Lara Croft mood and try to dig up some mummies and fight crime. But that's just between us. What do you do today? What is your company all about? So uh, I co-founded with my amazing co-founder, Elena Munai which is uh, an app that uses audio and resources and pain tracking insight to help alleviate period pain. Uh, so overall, it's you can see it as a digital therapeutic apps for women's health. And we're focusing on music, sound, soundscapes with different synonyms, uh, but mainly we're really working on, on, on some audio content uh, who will have a neuroscientific impact uh, with your brain waves, who is going to influence it to behave as if you are in a relax or um, on stress uh, or in the sleep mode, for example, because your brain waves are always being oscillating at different uh, amplitude according to which state you are in. So there's a way to change that. And there's a way to change it not only through visuals, but as well, audio, tactical. And we're focusing really on the audio because, as I said, music, the background, 
everything is connected. Okay. So uh, yeah, we're working on that. And we really want to not only deliver this app as a, oh, it's cool, it's musical, period pain. That's one aspect to it. Um, we have as well a very strong way of thinking that we want to change the narrative around the concept of menstrual health, uh, the stigmatized, unstigmatized. Yes, very hard, this word. Just uh, going in this area who has been taboo for instill this, and especially depending on your culture, can really have a totally different meaning of taboo. Um, but we really wanted to focus on this area. And it's not just providing a new gadget to it, but we wanted to, to answer a need that we discovered while we conducted our research which was there's period pain who's already one frustration and one pain for women and I'm not teaching anybody who has a uterus that everybody knows it's painful but it's the the main frustration that we got out of it as well as the lack of alternative you are non-chemical non-intrusive or affordable or accessible because right now what do we have we have uh, birth control pills we have drugs we have heating pads uh, which very great and I love them but at university it's not very very pleasant to be carrying around or to use it so we really wanted to not replace any of the solution we want to have a new alternative something to think differently and as well we integrate not only the biological aspect of the pain itself but we really want to focus have a comprehensive approach with as well the psychological and the social factor to it because there's different way to reduce your pain. Talking about it is one way. The way you're thinking, cognitive behavioral therapy is another way. So we're really focusing on these three pillars. I'll turn it into action for not only relief, prevention, but education as well. That's fascinating. So you took something you love, music. You found a problem and you tried to connect the two. And so what really inspired you to even look into this aspect of music, of the healing aspect of music to treat this kind of Pain. So I really think that it's it's really the synergy between me and my co-founder Elena. Munai wouldn't be wouldn't be Munai without this big bang that happened between us because she was the one who came up with this focus on menstrual pain and said we need to work in that specific spot because it is on the address because I'm on the research. She knew my passion about music. She knew that I was so down deep that rabbit hole about music technology science and so she was asking is can sound actually have an effect on on pain perception on the mood and I was like and suddenly I had this light bulb that I was like yes actually I've been researching that for so many years because I've been passionate about music tech as I call it so all the emerging technology applied to the music industry or how music can apply impact other industries as well such as health or automotive industries and so on so for me just the way she she just triggered a sparkle and suddenly I had access to all this research and all the paperwork that I've been reading the case study I've been um, working for different entities who were asking me can you make some research between the link between music and health and wellness how is it correlated what are the initiatives out there and during before COVID happened I was really researching that so I was just passionate and it goes back to what I was saying about my childhood just proving there's a link so it really just sparkled everything and suddenly and she always remember that when that happened and it was just like an explosion I was like oh my god yes there's research here and read this and I need to contact this person and she was just dying laughing and then that's how it really started up because 
it was like, oh, I need to go back into this research, read all this material. And then we just connected the dots together. That's incredible. What a story. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's quite interesting. Okay, so starting your own company is never easy. So did you have naysayers who kind of tried to tell you it wasn't such a good idea? I tend not to listen to them. So it's hard to remember. And at the same time, I have a past of initiating different projects. And I have been working on other companies, other entrepreneurial projects. So when it comes to my family or friends, I think that they are not even listening anymore. When I'm, oh, I'm working on this. Uh, yeah, okay, great. Like, what are you not working on? And I've been, I told them and I used them so much to, to hear me saying, oh, I started this project in that country while studying these two other forgotten languages while at the same time starting a new sport. I don't know, maybe linked to my ADHD, but they're so used to it that they, it's not that they don't care. It's more like, okay, new chapter. What is she doing now? So nobody was too much uh, concerned because it's always going well. And uh, as I said, even for me, it was changing a country as well. I was uh, in France before and I moved to Spain and got stuck there uh, during COVID period. And I started this project in the middle of it just after the big massive lockdown in Barcelona. Not that surprised. They were just happy, I, su I suppose, that instead of having a mental breakdown and, and being depressed and not doing anything, I came up with like, ah, I'm going to work on this. And I'm, I'm, and it was, I told them, I think, quite late, actually, because I was already part of an incubator. I was already had my co-founder. We were working on the conceptualization of the idea. So there was a lot already in place. But yeah, I think they only really grasped the, the whole ideal concept two three months ago so a bit more than a year off or a bit less than a year after it started I mean all the time like in other types of project or decision making I do have a lot of people who always tell me that uh, I shouldn't be doing this and oh, it's not uh, the right way to go discouraging me or, or just telling me it's too challenging my university was the same case scenario I had a lot of people tell me not to do the, the studies that I did because it was too hard and meaning I'm too stupid to do it. <laughs> I had the same problem when I was in school, I had the same problem when I changed country. So I always have the same circle of people who will tell me or try to discourage me, but they do it in a very genuine way and not to, to be nasty or to be bad. They just think you're not going to be able to do it. I don't think it's a good idea. It requires a lot of strength, blah, blah, blah. And over and over, I proved them wrong. So I got now at the stage where when I started this project, I was like, well, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to even discuss because I know what you're going to say. I'm still going to proceed. So what's the use of having this conversation? And I trust more now my gut's feeling that the, the opinion of people around me. So because I know myself now, it's, and I still will know more about myself, but it doesn't matter. At the end, it doesn't matter. Just go with the flow. Were you always like this or did it come over time, this confidence that you know what you need? I was like that, but it's not the same approach. So I always did more or less what I wanted, or I had a very strong opinion of what I should be doing or what I shouldn't be doing, even when it comes to my father always says that I have a big uh, authority problem. If it doesn't make sense to me or the logic behind a restriction, a rule whatsoever doesn't connect with my logic, I'm, I would disagree. And so I was, uh, was known as a bit talking back to teachers, but always in a very polite way, always politeness overall. But it was always a question of arguing. And yeah, there's, I understand there's a way, but this is where it can be connected to my way of doing things. And so I will always try to yeah push my way through because obviously 
I was always binding it to logic or, or it makes sense. It doesn't. And I think it's more like when through age, you get more confident because you have more case studies, so to speak, or experiences. And you know that it's more, for me before, I would say more a question of frustration and just, I want to defy authority just for the fact of defying, because we told me I could not do that without telling me why. So just for that specific reason, I'm going to do it because why not? Whereas now it's more, I know why I'm not going to do this. I know why I will do this. I know myself and always thinking, okay, worst case scenario, it's not the end of the world. Of course, I'm, I'm talking about my specific uh, situation, right? Like this, it's always very subjective to anyone, but having this kind of thought of like, okay, worst case scenario. So what? what i fell what happens next i'm not going to die of it so worst case scenario i start again or i find another job or i do something else but yeah it's two different approach but definitely having my way of doing things since childhood so starting a new company trying to get support from uh, incubator it is a lot of different steps and a lot of things can go wrong so over the years have you learned something for somebody who's starting to do this for the first time what would you advise them? I really like this question. And I always think maybe the imposter syndrome, right? But I'm always thinking, well, it's been a year I've been doing that. So who am I to say or give advice? Like I'm I'm not Jeff Bezos. I'm not all these fancy dudes. So after a year, I, I can only talk about my own experience, but I would love this question in 15 years or 20 years. Uh, would the business still be rolling all over the world? So that would be great. But I think that it's more for me, what work really is like, not to think too much, not to overthink, because this is where it gets you stuck and you, you, you're paralyzed. If you ever think about the consequences of starting a business, yeah, but if I try, but that means that uh, I need to do this. Am I, I might run out of money. I might do, yeah, of course, all of this makes sense and there are valid points. And you need to think about it. I'm not saying you just, just go for it, but um, my co-founder and I and I, we're always a bit laughing about this question because we, we have some of our surrounding who did, ah, oh, that's great. I wouldn't have the courage to do it. And we always laugh like, yeah, but we didn't think it, we didn't think that far. Like we didn't think we would go that far and we, we made it through. So there's a bit of madness or maybe a bit of gut feeling. And, and sometimes we're like, maybe we're smart. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're really smart and we might shoot. And we're like, no, no, man, this is madness. We just don't know what we're doing, but we, here we are. So it's like a very confused moment. So the only thing I can say, and we're not the only one to have this feeling. I talked to other peers who are in the same situation, went through the same roadmap, and we're always like, well, we're here for some reason. We're here. We made it. Didn't expect that, but here we are. So overthinking really kills any, will just dry out the fuel of the motivation to go forward. So that would be my biggest advice. And another one who's really specific to potentially me is uh, surround yourself with the right people, whether it comes from motivation, but as well, I rely a lot on advisors and mentors. I'm, I love learning. So it's just like, I love to learn, but my way again. <laughs> so it's about talking. It's about talking with people and asking them questions. I love, I ask so much question. Uh, I have a friend who's telling me that I will ask way too much questions. It's, it's like an interview all the time. So maybe I should come to the podcast and, and do the, the next, uh, the next interviews. But I'd ask a lot of questions and I, for me, it's really helpful to surround myself with people who have expertise or knowledge experience in certain areas we can't know it all like it's impossible and and i tried it's impossible <laughs> that was that would be yeah the mindset and lastly i really really like the sentence of it is what it is it's something that i always say now and 
it sounds stupid and funny and initially it's a joke on the internet but I use it now for everything well it is what it is I can't control that so I'm not going to waste time I'm not going to be anxious about it what can I do and now I'm applying it even on my personal life as well and it's super helpful and so it is what it is it's like just the best <laughs> like cheesy motivation sentence that you want to right on the walls so yeah that will be really the three things that I would highlight did you seek out mentors or who were your key mentors along the way so I've been seeking mentors I think for the last seven eight years eight years I it's something I'm always I love to network I love to connect with people as I said I love to talk so I've been doing that for quite a while and when I was uh, looking to music technology and as I said music health science wow cool. I really wanted to work to all, with all these people who actually made something like startups research about it because these were my heroes just for me it was like oh so there's actually people working in that field like it's making my points it's I'm getting so close to this ideal world that I was like building so I did everything in the world to to meet these people and connect with them and you get better over time as well so networking becomes kind of your your really good skill and striking conversation as I said asking questions like it it was just really really natural and and again it's I'm I'm so thirsty to learn about things that mentors is just like this great opportunity that I wish I would even have started younger like at or whatsoever but I guess I was too lazy and we didn't see the, the purpose but now it's in any potential field I'm I spend more time on LinkedIn than anybody else I think I'm just spending my time with you do oh, okay um, <laughs> maybe we should apply for a competition in that area <laughs> my it's insane so I suppose you've been blocked more than once as well with the network request and like the limit that you're saying like, no this week you can't you re- you reach your threshold and you're like no how am I going to do so yeah I'm I'm obsessed with this and and they're always so nice I mean I guess it's a human thing right like you reach out to someone you say hey I'm really interested in your background or your knowledge your skills I'd like to have more information or can we talk and obviously you have this kind of narcissism taking over load so they always appreciate and it comes from a genuine way and they should be feeling proud of it but they're always so keen to share their stories. And that's the best part. When they understand as well why you seek advice and you explain whether it comes from the company, whether it's the interest in the industry, whether it's generally about, oh, I'm, I'm so amazed by the background that you have or your journey through in the 90s or 80s. You built this startup. You, you were the first one in that field. How, how was it? Like, there's always like this kind of storytelling. Oh, I'm going to seek this, you know. Yeah, like in a movie, there's a whole story behind it. There's an adventurous part. Maybe the Lara Croft uh, perspective kicking in. I don't know. But yeah, advisors and mentors are just like brilliant. And I'm so grateful for of the one that I'm, I'm surrounded with, some which help with Munai, but some help me professionally in my career, but as well as more life mentor about, you know, the stability or the balance between work and, and your life, your personal life. Obviously, when I was sticking out and becoming, I quit a job to build my own independent consulting uh, agency uh, in some sort of way. They were great advice where I was like, you know, you always think it's a win-win situation. Like, what can I bring to them if they provide me some help? And 
they're not all like that and some of them really want to just see you grow and I think the growth part is like big point in the relationship of a mentor mentee you're right many people want to help if you ask for help they're so willing and open to share their knowledge with you and I think that's one thing we don't do enough of and I have similar regrets you know if I had started asking for help early on in my career things would be very different but you learn but hopefully our listeners listen to this and understand that if they're hesitating they should not they should just go out yeah. seek people yeah because again what's the worst case scenario they don't answer back cool move on like like it's, it's not like they're going to print out your picture and be like this person you should never talk to that one person again i mean i had the worst case scenario with somebody who was very meanly um dismissing my demand well okay it is what it is like that sucks but the next person and actually this scenario brought me to another mentor who's been helping me out for seven years now so you know something bad and turned into something good but still it's not the end of the world that person just dismissed my my message okay great like i'm not going to cry over it i don't want to say no shame in reaching out and asking for help because there's a way of doing it of course you can't just uh was talking about that uh yesterday with some some friends you can't reach out to someone and say, hey, I want to have your network. No, that doesn't work like that. You can't request things like that. But you can explain like you work it out. You work through that skill. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm struggling in that area. I'm looking for some advice from mentors. I saw your background. Looks fantastic. Can we have a chat? Like none of them will refuse or they will might, they might say, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have time because I'm already committed. But none of them are going to tell you, oh, my God, how dare you ask for help and even would they, who cares, who cares, literally. So yeah, I think that's like a great advice to say, it's just reach out, reach out. And out of a hundred people you're reaching out, potentially 10 are going to answer, five are going to be positive and you're going to stick with two. I mean, it's like everything, like even in sales, but mentors are, mentors are like, you, you, you need to ask for help. You need to, to feel confident in doing that. You're not doing anything wrong. That's that's a key point. When you look at people around you, are there certain things that you feel women do that don't help us in our cause and we should be actually focusing on other things? So what would be some of the things that we do wrong and what would be some of the things you would advise us to focus more on? So it's a really interesting question because it's so complicated. I feel like always in a dilemma with that question because there's a sort of thing going on with your your female founder, you're working in women's health, femme tech, you're woman entrepreneur. Um, so all these wording about the fact that based on the gender, which I'm not going to lie, it's very helpful in terms of uh, sometimes funding, sometimes there's some incubator program who are dedicated to it. It's helpful to, because it's buzz, the buzzword right now. And a lot of people, whether it comes from investors, shareholders, partners, companies are suddenly realizing that half of the worldwide population is composed by women. And I'm like, mm, might be interesting to actually make something about it and use it for PR tools. And it's helpful for us as well. I'm not going to complain. I'm, a, I'm the biggest opportunities person there is on earth. So of course I'm going to seize it. But then really deep down, sometimes I'm just getting really mad because I'm thinking, why is it female founders? I'm a founder. I don't need to be limited by my, my gender. It's just like, I had a question last week about what's the challenge of being a woman entrepreneur? I was like, yeah, it's a cool question, but I really would like to have a question. What's the challenge of being an entrepreneur? You know, like you just asked earlier on, there was no connection with my gender. 
And of course, there are some challenges underneath, and of course, they are linked to the gender, but just that always it's the first question you are coming in because it depends from every point of view, right? But in, in women network, there, there are some who will try to emphasize that to show that there's some inequality going on, that to show there's a different way of things happening, but they will do it in such a way that it's going to be disconnecting us from the initial role, the founder, the developer, the, the entrepreneur. And so it's, it's a really touchy subject because I, I don't have a, a good answer to that. I really don't know because, as I said, I'm in this area of, yeah, it's cool because I want to take advantage of it. And of course, I'm not going to be stupid. I am going to take advantage of like all this bubble. And I want to show as well that there are some things going on that uh, our peers, male peers, do not have. But at the same time, I don't want to be always categorized in that area. So what am I supposed to do? And I think that sometimes it's a bit of struggle of communication between us as women to understand that, that because you might be seen as somebody who don't go along that, this ideology or who do not fight for, for the challenges that women, and I'm not just talking about women, I'm talking about non-binary trans people as well, are facing. It's, it's like, no, no, I agree with you. I totally agree. It's just that we couldn't maybe too much emphasize on, on the gender is not the way to go. Uh, I would assume we are found of, if we talk in a professional world, like we, we I think someone was telling me uh, today that the New Zealand prime minister was asked a question about being the female leader. And she said, no, I'm a leader. And I remember that was amazing because it was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, it's all this bubble. It's all these things about women in the professional world and still things need to be changed. Of course, like I'm the first one who, who will be listing the things who, who shouldn't be improved, perspective, the way of talking. Like there's a lot of things, but yeah, it's such a dilemma of like, ah, oh, yes. But at the same time, can we not associate? Can we not make a whole, you know, fuss about it? It's like, oh, you're an entrepreneur and you're a woman. Okay, cool. Uh, what's a female entrepreneur female that you get you're bombarded and then you're like yeah but i'm an entrepreneur as well so i might be wanting you know other things who are not specifically linked to immediately my gender i i don't know if i'm explaining myself correctly but it's just like this kind of very gray and very confusing area where i'm in right now and i'm always trying to explain that it's like yeah i want to take advantage but at the same time i'm I'm tired of immediately going into that category without thinking about not my gender, but my skills, my competences, my background. Like the, the, there's a priority in the questions, I would say. And that's that's the most annoying thing. Okay, so on a separate note, what gives you joy? Clearly music, because you're so <laughs> passionate about it. But apart from music, what else? Chicken nuggets, but I'm celiac, so I can't have them anymore. <laughs> no, I would say, uh, of course, yes, music for sure. I really, really like learning. It sounds really confusing, but I get this again. I don't know, maybe linked to my ADHD uh, situation, but I have this maniac episode where I find an in a new interest and I need to know everything about that subject. And it goes from the most common to the most weirdest obsession. And for me, it's my, my me time. It's like, okay, I suddenly am obsessed with the life of Nikola Tesla. I'm going to read every book, see every documentary, go and see every invention and pattern that he's going to do, and an obsessed psychopath, really. Uh, and then the next day or two weeks later, I will have an obsession in cooking Japanese food. And I don't know why, but I just go with the flow. And the months later, it's be, oh, okay, I want to learn Hebrew. Okay, why? I don't know. I just want to learn Hebrew. And I, I know that I have this motivation. And it's like, I picture it as a, a flame, a burning flame. 
that is like, okay, I know that I have like two days to use that motivation in that specific subject. Go for it, go for it, go for it. And then it goes down and there's something else starting. So for me, it's like my moment where I'm like enjoying them the most. I sound completely insane, but trust me, like this is for me, like the, the most, my happiest moment. Hey, it works for you. It gives it you works. joy. That's important. It does give me joy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of books, what kind of books do you read? Well, I'm probably not going to surprise you if I say it like adventurous book, but about a historical biography of adventurers or of scientists or politician i for example i really like the book about richard branson or the book on winston churchill like the, the biographies and there's several of them but like every time i'm just like such an adventure time to go and to see like how they completely controversial people some even might say obnoxious but they have such a great mind and they are the proof in my opinion, of like how you shouldn't feel embarrassed to go with the flow and go with your ideas. And and they had so many people telling them not to do things and they were still going with the flow. That would be like, yeah, the main books I'm reading. It's always about historical people. I really like weirdly about some historical facts, like history books about events who happened like French Revolution or uh, World War II for for some reason, very past-oriented, now that I think of it. Uh, maybe it's about the lesson learned and talking advisors, mentors. I don't know. There's something fascinating to me when I, I read about these biographies about people considered crazy and then now everybody adores them and they're the founder of like so many different things. And you just see like the evolution and their path, which obviously is a bit narrated or written in a way that is pleasant. But it's always fascinating to me to, to find like this, this storyline. And historical events, I have no idea why, but it's just like, maybe the, the the whole, when this revolution, why did it trigger it? What happened? Who were the first one up front and to contest? Yeah, maybe it's in with my, my personality as well. I don't know. But they do say, you know, life is cyclical and history always dictates the future. So reading history is a great way of learning what might happen in future. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't seem like that these days with AI and ML and everything coming in. But I think there is still a lot of things we can learn from the past. Actually, actually, now that you mentioned uh yeah, I would say there's a third category of book that I really enjoy, which are a bit the classics, but like the classic of uh, Fahrenheit, uh, like the whole stories about Big Brothers. I could tell you a hundred times the name of the, the the author who wrote it, but this fictional futuristic uh, organization, uh, government uh, system, where everything is controlled by like this very structured, a bit evil uh, system and and this is AI who has an eye on everything and everything is controlled. This kind of futuristic classic book novels, kind of the list you would see like what are the best books to read, you know, before dying, for example, like Moby Dick or like the French. I was I was uh, at school in French, so we had all the French author initially when I was school. I was hating it because it was like assigned as a work, and oh my god, I need to read for school. But what is this? And then after I left, I was like actually very curious about it so there was like all these very famous author about philosophy like Sartre there's as well like uh, all these uh, um, in uh, for in England uh, Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe uh, and the crowd uh, so Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde like these very you know classic that you go when you reach your school or potentially university 
for some reason, I don't know, it's like, I need to read them. I need to read them. I need to I find it fascinating. Oh, let's also talk about your phobia. <laughs> that, that was the first one I'd ever heard. So you have a phobia of Muppets. Yes, I have. Absolutely. And how did you even find out you did have that? I mean, there was nothing to, it was quite easy. I was just running away all the time. I was screaming, hiding my face. And and initially he was taking it as a joke. Um, but even the, the, and I have a lot of people in France who always think that it's very funny to play the music, to show me a picture. And it's better now, obviously. But when I was a child, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. And The Muppets are for children, so you can imagine a bit how confusing it was. I have no idea how excited. Honestly, I think that it's very, very stupid. It's probably my parents left me in front of one of the horror Halloween edition of Muppets, and it was a bit scary, and I was too young to see it, and I got traumatized. I have no idea what went wrong. Yeah, I have all the physical symptoms of a phobia, so like even now, and I'm 30 years old, which is like terrible phobia to have. It's like if you put me in a room with one, and even talking about it, I'm really like freaking out. If you put me in a room with one bloody Muppet, I'm already like just stressed talking about it. I would just leave the room and be like, no, it's Muppet or I. Like, and I don't even want to be close to it. I think there's something evil about it. There's something no control about it. I don't know. It's, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And it scares me to death. So we'll close that topic then. <laughs> so in closing, any advice for the woman um, who are listening today? I would go back to the one I was explaining earlier on. Just you do you. Just go for it. Don't listen too much. Trust in your guts, I, I reckon. Again, I'm talking at 30 years old. Like I think I, I wish I could say this with 20, 30 more years of experience. But in my humble opinion, I really think that you need to still be smart in thinking about the right choices, but do not fall into the overthinking because that will really slow you down and paralyze you. What, look as well as your past. Like what are the choices? For example, I know that my gut's feeling and the choice you have been made on these gut feeling without thinking too much through and just really, you know, seize the opportunity very quickly uh, have been the best choices in my life. So with that in mind, I'm getting more and more confident with actions that I'm taking because that it has been proving me right in the past. So it's like it should be it should be going up. Talking about going up, I have another advice. There's some things you can't have control about, but at the same time, sometimes you might think that you're overwhelmed and really a lot of uh, negative things are happening. And I believe in like this kind of, I call it the Laura Karma theory. Life is, I suppose, a bit like a roller coaster. Sometimes you're at the bottom rock. It's horrible. Everything is going wrong. And you never know the duration of that phase. But you can only go up. And it's going to be bad again afterwards. It's fine. But you're going to go up again afterwards. So it really helps as well, I think, for the mental health. I've been having in the last months, like, really terrible situation, which was really bringing me down. But I was, like, cheering myself up. I was like, oh, something good is coming up. Some I can feel it. Like, something, if I'm suffering that much on all the aspects of my life, that means that there's really something nice coming through. And that really cheers me up. And again, through my past experience and my way of thinking like that, it always has been like this. So it's very, I think, helpful to rely on yourself, uh, whether it comes from the gut feeling, but your way of thinking. It's something you need to work on and my biggest advice for sure. And the last one, I would say it's more uh, something regarding 
other people, judgment and so on, I would say nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. Um, in a very, I would say, uh, controversial way. It's like, you're not that important. Nobody cares. So you do you. You go with whatever you want to do. It's your life at the end. Like Because that person that you see maybe twice a year, whatsoever, is going to tell you this opinion whatsoever. Okay, cool. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And I think that we're limiting way too much ourselves, especially as women. Uh, we always think how we're perceived. If I talk like this, then I might sound too aggressive. But I, if I talk in that way, I might sound too uh, like flirty. If I dress with pants, I might seem too masculine. But if I wear a skirt, I might be like turning people on. There's always like these thoughts that are barging in and very intrusive and impacting our performance. And, and we should have 100% of our minds and thoughts dedicated to our work and what the tasks that we need to do and not about how am I perceived to my peers or what should I do? What should I say? How should I talk? What should I wear or whatever? And I think that this needs to go away. This needs to be erased. Like, of course, you need to play the game and this is a way of doing things, but you need to as well, like get rid of a lot of bullshit going around. Thank you so much for your time, Laura. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, lovely, lovely to chat and love the questions. And I hope for some reason it could be helpful for anyone out there. Absolutely. And all the best with Moonai. We're all thank rooting you. for you. Thank you very much. <laughs>